Okay, good morning, good morning, everybody. Everybody's well. Happy Thursday. There will not be a show tomorrow again. I'm sorry. I think we're moving away from the Friday shows. For those who are interested in the timeless lessons, we'll get it to you. For a whole variety of reasons. But I want to finish up on today. We talked yesterday about this idea of the differences between celebrities and the rest of us and how it doesn't really exist. We spoke about how what happens to us many times is that we're living in a world where God sends us everything we need to know in life. I want this is a this is an important piece that I, we have to digest. And maybe this could be a good piece to go into the weekend with. Let's assume that God knows what he's doing. Let's just assume it. If you need more proof, just look at any part of your body and like just spend the next month on that part of your body and be like, how how did that? What? Yeah. If you need more time, just look at the rest of the world. But let's assume that the world isn't random. Let's assume that based on sort of basics in, at least it is in Jewish thought, but I'm sure in other religions too, but I don't know them. Nobody's in this world for nothing. Everything is created for a reason. That means you're getting everything you need to be successful. And one of the things that you're getting is the values that you need to put into your life to create a picture of the aspirational self in order for you to create an image that will allow you to overcome your challenges. Just that I just said, that's a whole bunch there. Let's break it down. In order for us to overcome our challenges, we have to be different people. We have to grow. A good example of this, to be honest, is a parent or a teacher, anyone who deals with little kids. And if you look at a parent, a teacher of a little kids, though, not a, a, like a little teacher, like a, a, not a little teacher, a big teacher for little people, you will find, let's use teachers, that the good teachers, when the little kids are disrespectful, they're not thrown, right? The little, the little kids are playing with each other. And then the teacher says, you know, time to clean up. And one kid goes, no, you're the worst. She's a good teacher. Most likely she's not like, what'd you say? I'm the worst six-year-old. You're the worst. Get out of my classroom. Like if she's a good teacher. She's probably thinking we six. Like well, we'll have to deal with it. Be six. I'm not that offended. Right. Something happened along the way from being six. And when someone says you're the worst, you get into a fight to being, let's say you're 36. And now you're the teacher and they say you're the worst and you are above it. You have elevated past it. You're not, you're no longer in the conversation of six-year-olds. Something happens from being six in which Lego and candy is your life to being, let's say 36 to your, 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 you're navigating Lego for the kids. But if it falls and breaks, you're not lost for the day. 
right? You elevate yourself. You, you've become a more elevated person, right? And if you want to continue this, let's continue it. Something happens when you're in your 40s, let's say, and you're mad at this family member or that family member, and it's drama, to when you're 90, and you're like, guys, what, are you kidding me? Right? Look at the politics of somebody in their 50s, and then look at it when they're in their late 90s. And you'll see the guy in the late 90s, is just he's elevated himself, I hope. He's, as they say, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. And as soon as he sees that, as soon as that reality sets in that he's 90, gosh, he should live 130, he should live 120. The pettiness that once obsessed, that he obsessed over changes. You see this sometimes with these big uh, titans of business. You read stories of some of our, you know, great titans. They were cutthroat, ruthless, you know, forget about it. If you really read the real stories of a lot of the people that rose to incredible corporate prominence, not everybody, but lots of people, especially of yesteryear, even today, I got to tell you, you start reading some of these corporate stories, you see these CEOs, it's coming out now, even the, even in the, even in some of the, the, the better companies, some of them, not everybody, but sometimes you really see, and then they get older and you see it with some of these great, powerful CEOs, they turn 70, 80, and they wake up one morning, they're like, I'm giving it all away to charity. Everyone's like, you're doing what? Like, what'd you say? Because two decades ago, you were like squashing people. You're doing what? You're giving it to charity? You sure? <laughs> and then that's it. Like, they become like, what happened? Forget the cynical people that have answers. Let's, let's be positive. They elevated. They made enough money. They got old enough. I said, I, don't, I, I want to do something in my life. I want to elevate into having a, a legacy that's, that's greater. Remember the story of, um, of, I think it's Alfred Nobel, right? The Nobel Prizes. Remember that story of Alfred Nobel? From, from remembering this correctly, for those that are, are with me. Alfred Nobel, I believe, created like TNT or something which created an enormous amount of havoc on the world. And one day there was an, op, there was an obituary because they thought he died and they lambasted him and he read it. He changed. Started the prize for arts, and this and that piece created the most prestigious prize in the world. What happened? That realization of the legacy of his life elevated him. He didn't now have the same desires to accumulate wealth at all expense. Why? Because it's in your mind. Because it's all in your mind. And we said it's the seed of the soul. It's all our minds. And as the mind shifts, the priorities shift. And the way a person grows in life is they elevate themselves past the walls past their problems they don't necessarily go through them all wake up one morning they say does it matter anymore really it doesn't matter i don't really care like i used to no you can win like it doesn't really not that they're giving up right they're just raising up 
And usually when you see somebody elevate, they lose the that urgency from who they were. You see it with high school kids and teenagers that may be obsessed with their popularity and their looks. And they wake up one morning and they're 20 years later and their whole life is different. And they look back at themselves and they say, "Not by the way, it doesn't always happen that way. It doesn't always happen that way. Some people never grow up. Not, it's eventually they do, but elevation is our goal. That's what spirituality does. It elevates the spirit. The soul is supposed to drag up the physical world. And so God is constantly sending us messages in how to elevate. And some of those messages come in negative forces. So yesterday we spoke, Jacob and the angel. Tomorrow, for those who are interested in the timeless lessons, we have a little bit on it. And when you overcome your challenge, you realize that it really wasn't that big of a deal or that you could do it. Right? That first time that you say no to something and you are still okay the next morning, you realize, hey, I'm stronger than this. And you start to put that thing into context, elevating yourself. You're not subject to the world. It always gets me. When you walk the streets, it doesn't happen so much anymore because the world is, I think, becoming a little bit more somewhat enlightened. But maybe a decade ago, you would see construction guys and people would pass by and they would like whistle and cat call women. Maybe it does happen. I don't know. No one does that to me. But like I would see it. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, are you serious? Like you can't control. You can't control even like seriously like there's no control over your own mouth that you have to cat call out at another human being because you like the way she looks like holy like it always struck me you're in such the, the physical world dominates you to such an extent that you can't even control what you say around someone who's a block from you because of how she looks there. And we all have some part of this where we are so under the influence of the physical world over the animalistic parts of us food. We all got this for some for whatever, whatever the thing is. And as you, you fight, whatever the temptation is that people have, at the low end or even at the more, the high end. For some people, they can't not be pampered. They just can't not be pampered. They can't not sit at a certain class. They cannot have certain clothes. They cannot eat certain foods. They just can't not, they can't not be pampered. So whatever level it is in which we need the physical world, as we grow past it, we realize that we're elevating above it. There's a great story of one of the great rabbis. His name was the Satmar Rebbe. And we don't really know how these people become so great. So someone told me a story that in his house, and this is going to sound radical. In his house, they never said, I want to eat. They never growing up, like asked mom for something. 
whatever was on the table is what they ate. I think that was at the least of it, meaning they were trained that food is to sustain you. Again, this is a high, holy person in a high, holy family. Like I'm not comparing us to that. But the idea that you grew up in a home and you're trained, that the taste of food is is gravy. Food is meant to sustain. That's a type of elevation over physical. Again, everyone within their range. We all should be normal, healthy, and well. And everybody knows the parts of their lives that they lose it when they don't have it. If you want to know if your kids are addicted to technology, take it away from them for a day. And if they lose it, they're not in control of it anymore. You want to be in control of food? Fast. You'll see. Look at people as they fast. In the Jewish, in Jewish in Judaism, we have fasts. And you see, as you encounter one of those fasts, what goes on. The level of dominance that food has over our lives. And so when we restrain ourselves from things, we elevate above it to some extent, and then we elevate ourselves over the wall. But the other way to do it is to be always in learning of it. We're always learning, always trying to find lessons. We're always on the lookout, always on the lookout for what's God teaching me? What does God want me to understand here? Why did I hear that lesson? Why did I hear that story? Why did I meet that person? Now, if you do it too much, you're obsessive, but that's common sense. But why was this person in my life? What did I learn from when I grew up? For better or for worse. Some people who grew up with very difficult childhoods that learn an enormous amount from and become incredible people. Really. And they had very challenging childhoods. And I met some of them. The sensitivity. The empathy. It's unbelievable what they were able to extract out of a negative, abusive environment. Because they were able to learn the lessons and they were able to hang on to the values of those around them that were good. And they extracted those values into themselves. They created an aspirational. They didn't even know they did this, but they created an aspirational picture of who they can be. And then they elevated out of their environment. It's like it's like a magic trick. Everyone around them was just negative, abusive, insecure. And they understood intuitively that for them to get out of this environment, it's not a physical getting out. They needed something else to learn from. So what they did was they extracted everything from books or from people or from whatever. And they draw inspiration to themselves until they saw they had a vision of themselves that was healthier, that was more empowered. And so when they so to speak, left their environment. They didn't drag their environment with them because there are a lot of people that physically leave their environment that never leave their environment. But they were able to see something. I can be like this. Yesterday, we spoke about this idea of the celebrity culture that reminds us that you're not. They are, which is totally not true. Those people are regular people. They just happen to have a camera in front of them. Not a big deal. It's just a camera. If you were doing something that all of a sudden became in the interest of everybody, it wouldn't be a deal. Let me tell you something. You go to certain communities and they don't care about sports. 
Nobody cares what the guys did. And right now, if you're watching this thing and I told you a guy who played like rugby, you may be, you may not care unless you're watching from Australia. So in your world, that guy who's a celeb in Australia doesn't exist in your world. The whole celebrity thing is just one smoke and mirrors. It's only for the few people, even if it's millions that care about that particular thing that doesn't make them any better or any more unique. And in this world, we think, but it's not true. Me and you have all the same capabilities of becoming the aspirational person that we're meant to be. And God is training us for this every day of our lives by giving us things to overcome and by sending us values and lessons so that we can extract out of this the example that he gives it and put it into our lives. So when the package comes to you in the shape of a story, you can extract it out of the story, understand what it is, put it into your life. And then when you go out and face your next challenge, you go to it and go, oh, I saw that. It's an amazing gift that he gives you. He's preparing you constantly with values and values and values and lessons to learn about yourself so that when you face your challenges, you can overcome them and then grow both in mind and in action. It's an amazing life. If you think about it, it's the journey, it's the battle. We got to be looking for it. Got to be aware of it. We can't get lost in general inspiration. We can't get lost in the thinking of that it's not me. I'm not enough. We got to be on our game. We got to be sharing ideas with other people. That's our job. When you learn something, that's a value. You don't got to be the head, at the front of the classroom. Share your values with somebody else. What to share what you thought of something so that you can share something that is specific and inspiration with somebody around you. So maybe they would learn something they never would have put together. But maybe for this conversation, most importantly, to take the time to envision your aspirational self. Who do you want to be? What are the values you want to embody? Why wait until you're 90? Why wait until you're knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door? Why? Why do we do this for? Why not get it when you're younger? And if you're 90, God bless you. You should live 120. Even if you're 20, you should live 120. Why do we wait? Because we're busy with what? What are we busy with? This is life. What are we busy with? Playing Lego? We're busy with the politics of, of, of the dynamics? Come on. What are we busy with? Our lower self? Why don't we get busy with our higher self? We got to live in the world. I'm not saying we do it 24-7, but couple of minutes the next time you hit a challenge as opposed to trying to get go through it or get knocked by it slow down and think about who you want to be and practice it no all right think about it i will as well let's do it together we all have people we're supposed to be and if we get even closer to that person, that's isn't that what life is about? All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Sorry, I'm missing you tomorrow. But think about this. Think about it. Tell me what you think. Values, the lessons of life. Think about people in your life that you really respect. Think about stories in your life that you really were moved by. Ask yourself why. 
extract the value, put it in your life, put it, see yourself with that, having that value. And the next time you hit a wall, see if that helps. All right. We'll talk about it. All right, everybody. Have an amazing, amazing day. Have a great weekend. God's help. We can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see you next week. Recently, I was calling around for a certain friend of mine who needed a specific doctor. When I called another friend, he said to me, he had a great doctor for him. I said, great. What insurance does he take? He said, I have no clue. I don't have insurance. I said, what? How could you not have insurance? He told me that over the past few years, he had paid over $100,000 towards health insurance. And because Baruch Hashem, him and his family were healthy, they hadn't gotten any benefits out of it. He felt like he was wasting his money on insurance premiums and deductibles. So instead, he switched to United Refua Health Share, which is saving him over $20,000 a year. I was like, really? How? So he explained to me what a health share is. A health share is a group of people who share religious beliefs. For us, it's Jewish beliefs. Who share in each other's medical expenses. I help you and you help me. It's as simple as that. It's basically at its best. So I asked him, how do you use top doctors if you have no insurance? He said, as, as uninsured patients, they're free to choose any doctor or hospital and are eligible for sizable discounts. When they need medical care, the top doctors in the country are available to them. No in-network restrictions. Amazing. Totally flexible. He's now paying $499 a month for his whole family, as opposed to his previous cost of over $2,000 a month, which is basic for an insurance plan. The cost is based on the membership size. And in addition to all these benefits, he says their customer service is five stars. He never had to wait on hold. He gets his answers right away. And his bills are processed faster than ever. Go to learn more about United Refua at www org, or call them at 1-855-SHARE-55, 1-855-SHARE-55.